Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys again on a Sunday morning. Good to be back as the church. I'm going to ask Andrea to come. And um, before we jump in this morning, just a couple things. I, too, want to encourage you on the 29th of this month, um, that Sunday morning, um, we're going to be doing something not here, but uh, you're going to be with your living community serving in some capacity. Um, And uh, your local community, it's exciting for those of us in Anderson. We're kind of linking arms of two communities. We're going to go down to Belterra. And um, we're going to go serve there. Um, There's a chaplain, actually, at the Horse Park, and his name is um, Doug Eldridge. And we're going to serve him and and help some of his needs there, and it's exciting to be part of that. And I know there's another living community. They're going to go work on someone's house that morning, one of the people of their own community. So so lots of different things. I know Covington's going to be here worshiping and doing things, too. So I want to encourage you to take part in that. Also, in a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism service. Baptism gathering, also very exciting time. So if you would like to be baptized or you, have inf- you need information about being baptized or what that means and why, please talk to myself, talk to your living community pastor. Um, and we'd love to share with you what baptism is and why those who are followers of Jesus, we encourage you. Jesus encourages us to follow him and publicly declaring that through baptism. At your table, I want to kind of jump into this morning by getting you talking at your table, if you will. So we'll do a little word association this morning. Okay, I'm going to say a word, and then I want you to discuss this word at your table. All right? Here's the word. Marriage. All right? What comes to mind when you hear the word marriage? All right? Go ahead and discuss it at your table. All right, let's learn a little bit together. Anyone brave enough to share what was something when you hear the word marriage... What comes to mind? Someone. What was something that was shared at your table? Princess Bride. <laughs> yes, marriage, right? It brings us together. Okay, yes. All right, good, yeah. What, el- what else? I'm sure they'd be proud, right? When you think of marriage, we think of the Princess Bride. That's good. Yes. Co- say it again. Commitment. Okay, good. What else? Uh-huh. Man and woman. Man and woman. Okay, what else? Teamwork, okay? I heard someone say embarrassing love. All right, that came from a child. All right, <laughs> referencing uh, their parents, okay? Um, what else? Any, anything else comes to mind when you hear the word marriage? Covenant and relationship. Covenant and relationship, okay? Say that again? Children, Children. all right? Anything else? Compromise, Compromise. okay? Kids, okay. What else? Hard work. Hard work, right. Right. We were talking and I said surprise, right? Surprises. It's like things you don't think about when it comes to marriage. You're like, whoa, I never knew that marriage involved that or was going to be difficult or things you didn't expect or anticipate. Go with me to the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, if you would. We're going to continue. This is kind of part two of our... Um, teaching on catch the foxes, if you will. We're in really part five of the marriage series, but this is kind of a continuation of where we started last Sunday, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. And if you're new to our time together in this series, I don't want to spend a lot of time rehearsing where we've been. You can always listen uh, via the podcast online. Um, But Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 15 through, through 17 and the, actually, the, the husband here in Song of Songs is, is speaking. 
And what you have is a Song of Songs is a, a, a marriage relationship between a husband and his bride. And they are revealing to us God's heart for marriage, God's desire for marriage. And it's, this song is kind of presented as if it's like an opera, right? Where the wife comes out and she sings her song and then the husband comes out and sings his song and then they go back and forth um, sharing their songs together. And from their songs, we catch a glimpse of God's desire and heart for marriage between a husband and wife. And so Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, and this is what the husband says to his bride. He says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day. Now the wife is speaking here. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. And so what we have here is a husband, again, is using this imagery, this metaphor of a, a vineyard to describe his marriage relationship between he, is, he and his bride. And he's saying, we need to catch the foxes. We need to make sure that we are identifying those things that potentially are creating conflict and spoiling um, or could spoil our marriage vineyard, our marriage relationship. Now, in speaking about marriage, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand what did Jesus have to say about marriage. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. He said, what God has brought together, let no man separate. And that's Jesus speaking, right? If we follow Jesus, that's what Jesus has to say. He's saying, God created the male and female. The husband leaves the father and mother, joins to his wife, and they become one flesh. And what God has brought together, let no man separate. And I think what we see in the Song of Songs is we see a relationship between a husband and wife that understand that. They would understand that God has brought them together as husband and wife. And so they're aware of that, but I think also what we see here in chapter 2, verse 15, is this awareness that, they, that there are enemies, potential enemies lurking around, foxes, if you will, that have potential to destroy or isolate or ruin a marriage relationship. And they're, they're aware of this. And so the husband takes the initiative and he says to his bride, listen, we've got to catch these foxes. This isn't optional for us. He says this as an imperative. It's a command and we need to do everything we can right now to remove those things that are potentially bringing ruin and spoiling our marriage relationship. And so what we can gather from this is if you desire to have a marriage relationship, like we read of in the Song of Songs, then you need to have the same intentionality. We have to have the same intentionality about catching the foxes that are in our own marriage vineyard. And last week, Andrea and I took some time to just kind of share with you a list of foxes that we have experienced maybe in our own relationship, or we have seen the enemy, who is Satan, try to use and these foxes to creep into other marriages and try to separate what God has brought together. And so we have to understand, again, as a quick reminder, that the true enemy... And marriage is not your spouse. Okay, there is an enemy. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, he tells us this, that we, that the devil has schemes. And Paul says this to the church, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That the real battle isn't against your spouse, isn't against people. There's, a, there's an enemy out there lurking about, and he's trying to separate what God has brought together. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces. So the real battlefield is a spiritual battlefield, and that's where the battle for our marriage has to be fought. And so just quickly, we kind of want to review some of those things as far as the foxes that we looked at last week. But before I jump into that, just a quick 
refresher. Why give so much attention to foxes? Why, why spend two weeks talking about potential things that can creep into a marriage relationship and spoil it? Well, one, because you want to guard and protect that which is what God has given you. I want you to experience in marriage what God desires you to experience in marriage. So we talk about them to help protect us from those things that the enemy tries to use to separate us and, and to isolate us as husbands and wives. But there's so much, there's so much more at stake than just you and your spouse getting along when it comes to marriage. We need to understand that ultimately your marriage or marriage conveys the gospel. It displays the gospel. This message that everyone needs, that they are sinners and there's an unconditional love out there for them to bring them forgiveness and it's through the person of Jesus Christ, through His grace, through His acceptance. So that's what's at stake. So not only is catching the fox is important to guard and protect your own marriage vineyard to experience the joy and, that God has provided in marriage, but ultimately to protect the reflection that your marriage presents of the gospel so that you can paint a beautiful picture of what the gospel is. John Henderson, in his book, Catching Foxes, says this. He says, Marriage comes from God. He designed it in his own mind. He formed it and blessed the union. He owns it. And he has attached the glory of Christ and the church to the relationship between a husband and wife. So this is what you're getting into when you marry and much more. And so we need to understand that marriage isn't just about a husband and wife getting along. It's about a mission. It's about displaying the very joy and love and, un- and forgiveness and unconditional grace that God gives us. And so that we want to talk about foxes because we, yes, for our joy, but even more so, so that people will see a clear and beautiful picture of the glory of Jesus and the gospel. And I would highly recommend John Henderson's book called Catching Foxes. All right, came across it early in the week, bought it, had it delivered, been ripping it apart like nobody's business. Okay, it's actually a workbook. And so whether you are single, been married five minutes, 50 years, whatever, looking to get married someday, whatever, this is an incredible book. All right, wonderful book, very practical, great questions to ask and discuss together. And let me just say, those of you who maybe you come in here and you're not married or um, you know, you're single and you're not really sure if you want to be married or you'd like to be married, you're really in an enviable position. And I've said this before in this series because you have an opportunity right now to take these principles of truth from God's Word and be able to build a foundation for a future relationship where those of us that are, are married, the foundation's been laid and probably needs some renovation, all right, so you're, you're able to start from the ground up where others of us, okay, we need to patch a wall, we need to fix this wall, we need to tear out this wall. All right, wow, that wall shouldn't even be there. You know, so we're in a, in, in a unique position as married people as well. So I just want to say that before we jump in and review quickly the foxes from last week. Last week, and you see there on your handout, um, we, we listed these foxes, obviously the fox of our own sin. Sin is what damages the relationship between a husband and wife. Um, And the biggest and most ferocious fox in your marriage vineyard is going to be the fox of your own sin, not the foxes of your spouse. (laughs) All right? Not their sins. It's going to be, I know the biggest problem in our relationship is my sin, my heart. All right? Um, And and so our own sin. You see another fox, obviously, is the devil. We've referenced that. Paul did in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. He's the real fox in all of this. And so all the foxes that we're going to list actually fall under that umbrella, the umbrella of our own sin or our enemy, the, the devil. You have the fox of neglect, neglecting time together, uh, neglecting prayer, neglecting God's mission. And that kind of leads then when 
into isolating ourselves as married couples from God's mission, from God's people, where you make your marriage an idol. A lot of times like, we see this in maybe newly married couples where you know, they just kind of isolate themselves from the church, from other people. And what can happen is it's very easy for us to worship marriage. Marriage is a created thing. God created it. And Romans 1 says that our tendency is to worship the created rather than the creator. So it's very easy for people to worship marriage. The idea of being married, maybe if I was just married, everything would be okay. And so we worship this thing called marriage. And that can happen even as married couples as we isolate ourselves. Something else, another fox we talked about last week was social media. Uh, Screen time, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, your smartphone. Um, just simple messaging, those kinds of things can lead to emotional affairs, depending upon who you're talking to, which can lead to physical affairs. And if your spouse tells you to get off the phone, you get off the phone. All right, you just do it. You, you, you listen to them. You trust them. I mean, the, sa- the, the enemy can use even something as simple as maybe a smartphone to create isolation and distance between you and your spouse. Uh, another fox we looked at last week was busyness, right? We're just so busy doing things and and if we don't take co- time to care for our own marriage vineyard, then what happens is weeds get infested and bring come in the garden and other foxes. And then what you have is uh, a marriage that's in a lot of trouble. Discontentment. We've seen this too, where maybe you're just con- discontented with life, your job. You know, life isn't going the way you thought. And so you're just like, ugh. And so now you're tired. You're, you don't have no energy to work on your marriage, to spend time with your spouse, any of those kinds of things. And then the last one we closed with last week was our kids, right? If God in your marriage blesses you with children. Now, let me just say this. Kids are not the problem, okay? I want you to understand that. Um, They're not the reason for why a marriage is struggling. It's when we make them the center of our relationship where God, um, where, where sometimes the enemy uses our focus in the sense that he gets us focusing so much on all the kids that we spend no time caring for our own marriage vineyard. And so we neglect that. And you see this sometimes when in couples where maybe as the kids get older and then the, the kids leave and then the husband and wife split. Why? Because they, they have no relationship. Everything was centered around the children. And so when the kids leave, mom and dad, they don't even know how to get along because they never focused on their own marriage vineyard. And so they're like, why? And then once the, once the kids leave, they look at their vineyard and they're going, oh my goodness, we've got foxes here and weeds here. Why try? There's so much we got, you know, why try? Um, And so just something to think about as it relates to kids and being child-centered over Christ-centered. And then um, we were talking, too, about this as far as those family situations where it's maybe a blended family. And this is hard. Not being child-centered is hard for any couple, but especially we think for, for those that might be in blended families. And let me just say this. The best thing that you can give your kids in your new family, the best thing you can give them in your new family is to show them your love for one another. Right? And it's going to be sometimes a temptation is to make sure that they're okay and they're doing right and you should. But the best thing you can give and show those kids is that you love one another as husband and wife. And that you're committed to one another. And you're making your new relationship as husband and wife a priority. And if you want to add anything to these things, just following up from last week. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. All right, I want, to just, I want to make sure we can get through the rest of this list and, and, and the rest of the things on your handout there. Another fox that we often see is the fox of comparison. The fox of comparison. It's where you compare yourself or you compare your spouse to someone else or someone else's spouse, right? Where um, you're like, man, if he could just be like him, 
right? Or if she could just be like her, if my wife could just be like her, all right? And so we do this comparison thing, and, and it's really unfair, right? Because a lot of times when we compare, we're comparing our spouse's worst to someone else's best. That's typically what we do. We're comparing our spouse's worst that moment when we were fighting and arguing and the words they said to us, and then we go to work and you get treated nicely and respected and all this stuff, right? And so now we're comparing, well, I get treated so differently at work. And now what we're doing is we're comparing our spouse's worst with someone else's best. Um, and I think we need to understand that really this fox of comparison comes from the den of unbelief. This fox of comparison comes from the den of unbelief. It really, that's the root of this fox. Because what happens is when we start comparing and thinking we'd be better off with someone else, really what we're saying is, God, you didn't get it right when you gave me who you gave me. You didn't get it right. And so when we do that, it, we're really saying we don't believe God. And we don't, we're saying, God, I don't believe you got it right and have given me exactly who I need to bring you the most glory. And so when we compare, we're actually believing a lie that God got it wrong. All right, and we're saying, God, you didn't really bring us together, so I think I'm going to break this thing up and I'm going to, I'm going to pursue someone else. Any thoughts on there? Okay. Um, moving into the next one. This next one is friends or coworkers. This can be a fox, and this can be very... These are things that we have to guard. None of, I'm not saying these, this particular thing is wrong. It's not wrong to have friends, right? You're going to have coworkers, obviously, But when it comes down to spending a lot of time with other people that don't value marriage as God values it or don't treat it as the gospel says to treat marriage, then that can be dangerous. Um, Because now you, you might go to work and not that you should do this, but maybe you start complaining about your marriage, your spouse or whatever. And then they just keep feeding that lie of, yeah, you're right. Why are you even in that? You should get out of that. Why are you even doing that? Man, he, he, he sounds like a jerk or she sounds like a jerk. Man, what are you doing? And so you start feeding and then you start believing that, those lies that, that the enemy's feeding you through friends or through coworkers. And so you have to be very cautious of that, the amount of time that you spend um, with people that don't value God's best when it comes to the marriage relationship. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the comparison of fools or the companion of fools, thank you, suffers harm. So we need to be very aware, aware of the time, who we spend most time with, whether it's at the gym or wherever it might be, neighborhood, work, whatever. Um, anything? Oh, yep, you would grab that. Um, <clears throat> something Mark and I discussed about that is the danger. Um, I know when I was a teacher for four years, um, this was years ago, but... When it came to my relationship with the male teachers, there's just this natural guard that you know. Like, they were, they were my acquaintances. And I was kind to them, and I talked to them. But I never spent a lot of time just getting all chatty and cozy with them because I knew that that could be a potential danger. So from a woman's perspective, and I know it's that way for the men too, but they're... There has to be this guard, this like red flag where you're like, beep, beep, getting too close, getting too close. You know, that your, your relationships with the opposite sex should be only within the couples. Like, for example, we have good friends and I have good male friends, but they're usually the husbands 
of the wives that we're all friends with. So it's like we hang out with them in context of couples. I don't have any male friends that I call up and like, hey, you know, how's it going? Or, you know, because to me, that is kind of inching my way to the danger zone. So I want to stay far away from that. Um, So just as a caution to, like, you ladies, we, especially as women, we are very relational and I know, like, kindness, I am very attracted to kindness. And when a man is very kind and sweet, you know, and just very, we as women, we love that. And so that's what I'm saying. There has to be this guard. You have to be careful. You have to guard your mind and your emotions. So I just caution you as far as in marriage, having these outside male relationships that aren't in context of you and your husband. I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, that's good. And, and something else we and talked about was, you know, understand it as far as for some of you, as far as your work or whatever, you're taking clients out, whatever, and sometimes a client is a guy, you know, you're taking out a lady for lunch or whatever, and it's work-related. You just have to be really on your guard. If possible, take another coworker with you if you can do that. Um, if not, that's where you're texting your wife beforehand of letting you know of this ahead of time when it's over you're texting or when it's you know when lunch is over those kinds of things just to guard your own heart not saying there might you know have any intent um you may i'm saying not that you're going into that lunch looking for anything but just to protect your own heart and to protect your spouse and and understand that the enemy can use even something like that um to creep in and, and start getting you thinking and believing lies. So just be very careful and cautious with those things because we've seen that happen, right? We've seen, you know, you walk out the door, you go to work, you have an argument with your wife, you go have lunch with someone, a, a client, and you have lunch and she's treating you great and she's like, oh, wow, you're so nice. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, wow, compared to what I went through this morning, you know, that, then you're, in your mind it's going, right? The, the lies start creeping in. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your mind. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But you have to be aware. You, you just... Don't be a fool, all right, and, and think that you're, you know, you're strong enough to battle that. Um, another fox is work, right? Or I would call this a pursuit of a dream, possibly. Um, just natural work, travel. We uh, had heard some, from several of you this week, just it was awesome, just hearing different stories of different couples saying, hey, we sat down and we talked through some of the foxes in our own relationship, and th- this couple said one of them was his travel. He travels a ton, and that can kind of come into to be a fox where you're just not spending a lot of time together because of work. So that can be a fox, right, where the Satan can even use something that you have to do as far as work or travel. And he can use that to just that separation. He can use that to, to create lies and, and get you thinking things that aren't true. Um, big dream. And by that, you know, as far as maybe God's put something in you as far as I want to pursue this. I want to go after this, right, whatever it might be. And. Like for me, you know, even with Living Church, you know, this is something that God put in my heart years ago. And, and you know, it's very easy for me still to invest a ton of thought time and energy into what God's doing with Living Church and those kinds of things. It's kind of this vision that God's given us. And whether it be with church or work or whatever it might be, or there's all kinds of things that the enemy can do to, to take this big dream and he can twist it to where now it becomes a fox in your own marriage vineyard. And let me just say, many people work from home today, which can be awesome. And and I do that sometimes as well. But I'll tell you this, just because you work from home doesn't mean you're home. Doesn't mean you're present. Doesn't mean that your spouse has your attention. All right? So many people working from home, that can be a good thing. That can be a really good thing. But can be, 
an opportunity also for the enemy to use that. Because now you're home, right? You're working from home. Those can, I know, I've been there, right? The text comes, the emails come, and now what you thought was maybe five minutes has turned into an hour of work in the evening when you're intending to be home and engage there as far as your spouse with conversation, that kind of thing. So just be careful. Just be careful because the enemy can use a good thing and make it a bad thing if it takes your focus off the right thing. And let me just say, if in pursuing your dream or your work, you lose your marriage along the way, your dream was not worth it. It was not worth it. In fact, if that happens, what it really reveals is that your dream became an idol. Okay, so if in pursuing your work, pursuing that dream, pursuing that thing that you're going after, and it could be the very thing that you know God wants you to do this. Right? But the enemy can take that and make it an idol. And, and what you realize then is you're giving, investing all this time and energy into this thing that God, you said, gave you, which he probably did. And then the enemy now has got you focused on to where now you're worshiping the created rather than the creator. And so just be careful with that. Learn to put, put I'm, I'm preaching this to myself, so you know this. Learn to put the work away. <laughs> right? Help me learn. To, okay, this is for me. I'm just saying I get it. It's difficult. Um, but your work, your pursuit of a dream can be a fox that the enemy can use. But if in pursuing your work, pursuing your dream, you lose your marriage along the way, it was not worth it. There's so much more at stake, not just your marriage, but the display of the gospel too. Anything you want to add to that? Well, I was just going to say there have been times when um, in love, because I care about our marriage and I care about you know, removing the foxes, that I have come to Mark and I have shared my concerns about, you know, the fact that I feel like we're not connecting or even sometimes feeling jealous over, I can tell his mind is just pursuing hard after everything that's going on inside and, you know, living church, which is a wonderful thing. But just like we talked about, I've had to go to him and just say, I'm concerned because I feel like we're not connecting. And I feel like this is consuming you and so um, thankfully he is very gracious and and even sometimes you know like we all do gets defensive but then as in praying about it or thinking about it it's like you know you're right so this is where we can work together to to catch those foxes and get them out but also his humility and responding and caring about our marriage too responds and going yeah I see that yeah I can see that and I'm making an effort to um correct that another fox that we see is extended families or your parents or your spouse's parents um, this is especially for couples who maybe you live in an area where um, both sets of parents or one sets of parents are close we we don't have that okay where um, we have family extended family as far as our parents nearby or close but this is just something that we've observed and have seen and have dealt with um, in different uh, relationships where at sometimes um you know, a marriage relationship, maybe the wife gets mad at the husband and then she goes home, you know, to mom and dad or whatever. And then what happens is after a couple of days or a day, whatever, she comes back home, but the problem never gets dealt with or he runs home, right? And the problem never gets dealt with and it just kind of, the fox never gets removed because it never got caught. <laughs> and so this is just something that um, we feel that we've seen and can happen Um, It can be a great thing, right, as far as being in an area where your parents and families are nearby. You have them as far as maybe helping with grandkids, whatever, which is awesome. Um, And there are many times we wish we had that, 
But just know that that can, the enemy can use that as a fox as well to create distance and isolation um, between you and your spouse. Um, many of you are familiar with the show Duck Dynasty, right? And Missy Robertson, she is Jace's wife, and she wrote an article, and this is what she said. She tells her son, Reed, who got engaged, he said, you can't come home after you're married. All right, she said, Reed, I love you with all my heart, but once you say I do this fall, you can't come home. And Brighton, that's his fiance, you're stuck with him. All right, this is what she said. And then she said, although the mom of three, referring to Missy, credited her mother-in-law, Kay Robertson, for setting such a great example, she maintained that the idea, however, came from her very own father's advice to her when she married Jace. Her dad told her, told Missy, when you have problems with your husband, and you will, you'll need to work them out. Your mom and I will be here to help you however we can, but you'll have to go home to your husband, she recounted her father telling her. She admitted, Missy admitted that married life, although initially appearing to be all butterflies and rainbows, can be extremely difficult as she herself was tempted many times to go back to her family. She says, I laid in bed crying and wishing I was back at my parents' home in the comfort of my upstairs bedroom without all these challenges and disappointments of my new life. Then I would remember what my dad told me and I knew I had to go talk to Jace about it. And then she says, but in reality, those of us who have been married for any length of time can honestly say that the excitement of the nuptials will quickly dissipate into a harsh dose of reality. And what is left are two people coming from two different backgrounds, from two different families, with two different sets of baggage, with habits and quirks, and I would add, with sinfulness, and we have to figure out how to make it work. And you have to believe in that case that God is giving you your spouse to help you conform more to the image of Christ than, he's giving, than your parents. For a period of time, it was your parents. Now it's your spouse that God wants to be the key person in conforming you to the image of Christ. That's why you need to stay there and you need to work it out and talk through how you catch those little foxes. You want to add anything? Well, I just want to say when you get married, that is your new family. You and your husband are a family now. And um, especially, and I'm coming from a woman's perspective, it's so important. Maybe you grew up, and some of you didn't, but maybe you grew up with a dad that you just adored. Like, he was a wonderful father. He was just a good provider. Just, And maybe your husband, it would be very easy for you to sometimes make your husband feel like that, that you don't respect him as much as your dad or you don't think he's as wonderful. And we already talked about how important that is to the core of your husband, that he knows that you have, that he has your adoration and that you think he's pretty awesome too. Yes, you still love and respect your dad, but because I've seen that happen, um, that you make sure that your husband knows that he is the man in your life now and not your dad. And, of course, you, he's always going to be your daddy, but you need to go to him. He is your new family. You are a family now. So we're just saying guard that time, right? Guard how much time you spend there. All right, at your table, I want you to look over that list. I want you to discuss what's the one... Of, of everything that's listed there, what's the one thing that just kind of stands out to you in that list? Discuss it at your table. All right, let's keep moving. Let me just say this, too, as it relates to the whole comparison thing. As, as guys, as husbands, too, we have to be careful not to compare our wives to our moms, right? Um, it's something we have to be careful as far as maybe our wife's cooking isn't quite like mama's cooking, okay? That kind of thing. Why can't you make it like... My mom is so good at making no-bake cookies, and you can't even bake, period. Um, you put the no and bake, right? It's kind of like um, all those kinds of things. So we just have to be careful not to compare our wives to our moms, right? 
um, and then say that, oh, those are words of death. Why can't you just be like, right, that should never come out of your mouth. Um, so let's move, move on. So, okay, we've, here's a list of foxes, all right? We've like, kind of identified them. Now, how do we catch them? All right, well, the first thing that we need to do is you need to identify the foxes in your marriage. You need to identify them. That's kind of what we've been doing. You need to have regular conversations um, consistently talking through, okay, what are some things that we're noticing in our relationship that are just kind of crowding out our time together? Let's talk through that. What are those things that are creating isolation? Maybe it's sinful habits. All right, maybe it's attitudes, um, those kinds of things. What are the foxes of your own heart? Not just in your marriage, but what are the foxes of your own heart that are causing you to believe these lies about yourself, maybe about your spouse, about God, those kinds of things. So when you identify them, you need to repent. You need to confess those before the Lord, all right, because you've allowed those to get into the way of something that God has brought together. So you first have to identify them. And let me just say this again. It was awesome to hear last week of several couples that just said, hey, yeah, we did this. This has been so helpful to be able to have conversation about those things that are kind of getting in the way of our relationship together as husband and wife. Second, once you've identified them, you need to believe and obey Christ toward your spouse. You need to believe and obey Christ toward your spouse. Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, you will do what I command. Obedience is worship. And the enemy can't stand it when you worship Jesus. Therefore, the enemy can't stand it when you obey Jesus toward your spouse. So if you want to catch the foxes, you obey what Christ says toward your spouse. So when husband, you love and cherish your wife after she's just done something maybe or said something that's wounded you and you still continue to express love to her, you are catching the fox. You are being obedient to Christ, giving unconditional love as Christ gives the church. All right, and wife, when you respect and honor your husband after he's maybe done something that says, for your thinking, he doesn't deserve it, you're, you're resisting the devil. You're catching the fox. So you say, well, what does Jesus have to say about how to treat a spouse? Well, you go to Ephesians 5, you go to Galatians 5, you go to Titus 1 and 2, those passages, and read that. And marinate your heart and mind on those things. And it all comes down to believing that God got it right when he gave you your spouse. All right, and you begin loving them as Jesus says to you, as you obey Christ, out of your love for Christ, you begin catching the foxes. Do you want to say anything and add anything to that? Okay. Third, so you've identified the foxes. You understand that worship or obedience to Christ is worship, and as you love your spouse, as Christ loves the church, and as the church respects and honors Christ. As you're doing those things, you're catching the foxes, you're beginning that. Third, you need to marinate your mind in the sauce of gospel truth. All right? You need to marinate your mind in the sauce of gospel truth. You have got to understand that where the enemy is going to attack you is in your mind. What was his first attack to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? He got them thinking, wondering, maybe God is holding out on us. Maybe God is wrong. So he wants to get you believing a lie. All right, that's the enemy's approach. So if he's going to fight. If the battle's going to be in the battle of the mind, if you will, then you have to fight back there. So you've got to fight with the truth. Paul understood that the real battle's in the mind. He said this in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And he says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
So when those lies enter the mind or the thinking, you grab that lie and you take it and you throw it up against the truth of who Jesus is. All right, and can you remember that the root of every sin is unbelief? Listen, when a marriage between a husband and wife ends, it's because one or both started believing a lie. When a marriage between a husband and wife ends, it's because at some point, one or both started believing a lie. They stopped believing God and they started believing a lie. So if the enemy is going to attack you with your mind and the thinking is going to attack you with lies, how do you fight back? You've got to fight back by replacing those lies with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus also said to the Father, your word is truth. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. You cannot fight the enemy's lies if you're not spending time with the truth. You're not going to know and have what you need in order to replace those lies with the truth of God. So you've got to read, you've got to study, you've got to memorize, you've got to live out God's truth every day. We've all seen pictures of, the, of maybe those children in, over, um, in other countries where they're malnourished. right? We've seen those images. That's what happens to your soul when you're not spending time with the truth. You become weak, malnourished. You have no energy to fight back against the enemy. And so this is why you've got to marinate your mind with the truth because it's the truth that will attack back and replace the lies and overcome. I just wanted to say um, it's no surprise that um, our world is getting further and further away from what truth is. And everybody has their ideas. Our, our society has so many different ideas out there. Psychologists, gurus, you know, marriage, whatever, about what marriage should be like. And a lot of it is not based in truth. It's based upon how you feel. It's based upon, you know, just a lot of stuff. And it's the, the more we go on, the more it's going to be a disconnect between what God says about marriage and what a lot of other people and a lot of other philosophies are saying about marriage. And so it is so critical that you know, and if you are in the Word, and you are spending time with the Lord, and you're spending time hearing the truth, you're not going to feel all wishy-washy about making decisions. You're going to know, and you're going to have confidence, because there's a lot of stuff out there that you're going to need to discern. And so it's so important that you go to God's truth and hear what God has to say about marriage um, because that is what is going to produce the most joy and the most peace. And too, it's not just knowing the truth about what God also says about marriage, but what he says about you, what he says about your spouse, what he says about sin, what he says about forgiveness, accept all those different things. You've got to marinate your mind with that truth. You can go to Romans 6, Romans 8, Galatians 5, Ephesians 1 and study those passages. Um, this kind of leads into the next thing as far as... Um, hunting the foxes or catching the foxes. You need to practice the discipline of preaching the gospel to yourself. We have the discipline of reading our Bibles. We have the discipline of prayer. This is a discipline that just even the past recent years I am learning, and it is critical to defeating the lies of the enemy. So when the, here's, here's how it works. When the enemy throws a lie at you, and it will happen multiple times throughout the day, and it doesn't have to just be related to marriage, okay, those lies, okay, those thoughts, take them captive. You've got to speak the truth. You've got to first identify the lie. And how are you going to identify the lie? You've got to be in the truth to know the lies, right? To be able to determine the, dis- the difference. And so when that lie comes into your mind, I'm just telling you from personal experience, when the lie comes in and says, hey, 
man, she yelled at you this morning. She didn't really, she never yells at me, but whatever, okay? Maybe she said something um, or whatever that wounded me, and I go someplace, I meet with someone or whatever it might be, and somebody, you know, the lady at the counter is nicer to me or something. I'm like, oh, I wonder what life would be like with her or whatever. You know, those, I don't know. I'm just saying that lie comes into your mind, right? And you're going, you know what? Immediately you've got to identify that you say, you know what? That's a lie. That is not true. That's from the enemy. Yes, I'm a sinner, but because I have Jesus Christ, he has not made, I do not have to give in to this sin. He's given me the power of his Holy Spirit to say no to that sin. Sin, you don't have control over me anymore. Satan, you don't have control over me anymore. I'm saying no to you because who you, God, have given me is exactly who I need to look more like you. You've got to have that kind of conversation with yourself all the time. That I'm accepted. I don't need someone else to be accepted, to feel validated. The cross and the empty tomb, I'm already who God desires me to be in Christ. I don't need an extra relationship to make me feel good about myself. That's a lie from the enemy. You've got to have those kind of conversations with yourself throughout the day. And that's called preaching the gospel to yourself. Romans 6.14, you say, sin, you have no dominion over me. And if you need to say it out loud, you say it out loud. You've got to preach the gospel to yourself. What did Jesus do when Satan tempted him in the desert? He said out loud, it is written. He used the truth out loud to defeat the enemy. He said it. He knew it, but he said it. He spoke it out loud. And I think we have to learn this practice um, as far as to replace the lies with the truth and to fight the enemy back. Your thoughts? Well, if you are a woman and you're married to someone that's maybe difficult, that maybe has is still learning and is still growing and maybe isn't always cherishing you or um, loving you the way that Christ wants, you to, wants, wants him to love you, there is this freedom in knowing I am fully in loved and accepted. If you are in Christ, you already have all the love and acceptance and cherish. Now, it's great to have it in the form of your husband. That's what God created but because if you're in the word and you're close to Jesus, there is that peace and that confidence in knowing I am fully loved by my Savior. I, and I say this as an encouragement. Continue to stay close to Jesus. Let him be your husband as you continue to pray for your husband that God will do a work in him to be who God wants him to be. And, and the last thing is just enlist others to pray for your marriage. In Ephesians chapter 6 um, Paul encourages the church, hey, pray for me. Jesus, when he went in the garden before the cross and the enemy was attacking, he took his friends with him. Right? They didn't do a very good job at helping him out by praying, but yet he took them with him. Right? He didn't do that on his own. And so you don't hunt alone. If you've ever seen videos of like fox hunts, right? there's guys in these clothes and they're all in horses, and they're not just one, there's like a multitude of them. You need a community of, of followers of Jesus to surround you to help you catch these foxes. Um, I want you to turn. We're gonna, I'm going to ask the band to come. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Go there with me. 1 John 3, 8. Now listen, when it comes to catching and removing foxes, all right, we've talked a lot about identifying different foxes in our relationship. We've talked about specific things we can do. It's going to come down to you and, and Jesus and your time with Jesus in the Word and practicing the discipline of preaching the gospel to yourself. But 1 John 3, 8. John writes, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Then here's the next sentence. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
Memorize that. Use that. All right? The reason Jesus came was to give you victory over the foxes. That's why he came was to destroy their power, was to destroy the power of the enemy. Memorize that truth. And when it comes to catching and removing these foxes, listen, I'm going to sound real simplistic, but it boils down to one thing. It comes down to the gospel. It comes down to, do you know Jesus? Do you know what Jesus says about you, about sin, about marriage, about the gospel, about forgiveness, about acceptance? Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for deliverance. Do we really believe that? It's the gospel that gives forgiveness for the sins of your own heart. Listen, listen to this. It's the gospel that gives forgiveness for the sins of your own heart. It's the gospel that moves you to forgive your spouse with the same forgiveness you've received. It's the gospel that reminds you of God's grace toward you, enabling you to give the same grace toward your spouse. It's the gospel that tells you God has given you his spirit to enable you to love your spouse when you don't feel like it or when they wound you with words or actions. You cannot catch and remove foxes in your own strength. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You must know the one that is in you, Christ. Because the secret to fox hunting is not looking at the foxes. Yes, you need to identify them. But the secret to fox hunting is keeping your gaze on Christ. Keeping your gaze on him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking to Christ. Looking to Christ. Keeping our gaze on Christ. Stand with me as I pray. Because as we look to Christ, let us through Christ catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you and your strength with your truth, with your power of your spirit, we have what we need to say no to sin, say yes to the gospel, and say yes to marriage and being a husband and a wife the way you have desired so that we can put the gospel on display. Lord, overwhelm us with your truth, overwhelm us with your presence, overwhelm us with your grace, with your love. May we be so in love with you that we can't help but love our spouse the way you, Jesus, love us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.